Welcome to the Crown Council's Mentor of the Month podcast. I am Stuart Anderson. This episode and podcast series has been created with young dentists and student dentists in mind. We are interviewing members of the Crown Council who each have a different perspective on the types of practice opportunities that are available to you. Uh, These mentors that we're interviewing, like Clark, will provide some advice, some counsel, some warnings, and mentorship based on the experiences that they have had right out of dental school. So whether they're joining as an associate or as a partner, whether they're building a practice or buying a practice or joining a group practice, they each have different advice based on what you're looking for as you leave dental school and start your professional career. Uh, some highlights from Clark, some really interesting and fun things that he ta- that he teaches that you'll hear from, which uh, a couple of them, find mentors early, you know, align with the people that you want to be like and live like and surround yourself with them. Go and, go and meet them, learn from them, shadow them, uh, find out what they do to be happy and successful. Uh, he also shares some really interesting points on what sets associates apart. So, In the practice that Clark works in now, he hires associates. And so what is he looking for? What is he seeing? And what sets those associates apart? Uh, Clark has a very strong philosophy of care, which I admire. Uh, You'll learn from that and and hopefully consider developing your own philosophy of care, what it means to you to care for someone. So hopefully you enjoy this practice with Clark. Grateful for him, grateful for all of the young dentists who have shared and been on this podcast and that I have learned from. Thankful for the time that they've spent. All right. Enjoy Clark and uh, enjoy the series. Thanks. All right. Welcome to Crown Council's Mentor of the Month podcast. Uh, This is our special series that we are dedicating to young doctors and students. So uh, I'm in Crown Council headquarters and uh, welcome Clark Bassam. Grateful to have you. Thank you for having me, Stuart. If you're watching the video of this, uh, Clark's in Alaska and the sun just came up and it's noon. <laughs> oh, I guess it's 10 where you <laughs> yeah, are. Yep, 10 here. <laughs> so 10 o'clock. So uh, I'm glad the light's up. So very cool. Uh, I've, known, I've known Clark for, dude, many years. Our relationship goes back. So Clark's been a part of Crown Council for close to 10 years plus. Uh, a graduate of Loma Linda University. Uh, then Clark went on to practice in Central California at a community health clinic and private practice. How long? How long were you there, Clark? I was there just under a year. Okay. All right. We'll yep. dive. We'll dive into that. Yes. Very we will. good. Yep. And this is an interesting theme. Uh, you know, Clark put on his website that he wanted to find a place he could call home. A lot of our interviewees have said the same thing, which is uh, find that place that you love to be you know, find that location that you love. So he found, uh, fell in love with Alaska. That's where he settled down with his wife. And, uh, and and you said on your website, uh, that was because you grew up in Vancouver. Correct. Yep. Yep. Dang, man. I did not know that. So Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, so he said a seamless fit with, with a natural playground of mountains and ocean dude. And then I just watched you flying an airplane. (laughs) What you're a pilot. (laughs) <laughs> How did you, is that something you just picked up in Alaska? Or is, I mean, tell us, tell me more. Well, it's, it's always been a lifelong dream. Okay. I mean, um, started out with model airplanes and then, um, just building the stationary model airplanes and then remote control airplanes. And it was always a dream to fly. And, um, Alaska, it's just, it's natural. I mean, it's, um, 
the culture here is just is a perfect fit for aviation and so found some awesome mentors and uh yeah love it love dude it. a pilot so yeah piloting fishing camping hiking biking surfing skiing very good that is a that is great uh so another thing i love about clark uh, and he put this on his website too, is doing good both locally and abroad has always been a huge part, integral part of Clark's career. Uh, he does this by participating in the Anchorage Project Access, Alaska Mission of Mercy, providing pro bono dental treatment to local charities. And then obviously our Crown Council Global Dental Humanitarian Trips, which Clark is a part of. Um, he works now in Alaska Premier Dental Group. And after five years with them, uh, became a partner. So partner up there with uh, uh, Dr. Joe and Dr. Brian. Very cool. Yep. And it's just, a, is it just the three of you up there? I guess we can get more into that. Yeah, we can. Um, it's the three of us. And then we have four associates. Okay, perfect. Yep. Well, maybe let's start um, where, where, we, where we start with everybody, which is Clarkson Dental School. And he's about to leave. Um how did you decide what, what came next? What did you learn mistakes you made? Let's just start there. Sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to unpack that. So Stuart, I think, um, what's interesting as you were going through my bio, um, what the phrase that you said when you started talking about doing good, mm -hmm. I think that's really the starting point for my dental career. And here's why, um, my dad's a dentist. I grew up in a dental home. And yet I didn't strike the passion for dentistry until I was on a dental humanitarian trip with my mm. dad in Africa. Cool. And, and I'm sure that that sentiment resonates with um, some of the others that you may have uh, interviewed, but it was on a, on a dental humanitarian trip where I saw this immediate ability to relieve pain and mm. affect somebody's life, impact their life greatly. And when I saw my dad doing that, I was inspired and I came back with a passion. So um, that was, I think, my junior year of high school when I had that opportunity. And then everything around me and everything I did was focused on accelerating my education as quickly as possible so I could be in that same position. And what's interesting is initially, because I had had that uh, inspirational experience in a, in a, um, humanitarian trip overseas. That was kind of my frame for what I wanted my career to look like as well. Nice. And so as I, as I went into dental school, I was looking for opportunities to, um, live overseas or operate in a, in some extended fashion. Actually, my parents had right after my dad graduated from dental school, my parents had moved to Nigeria of all things and had lived there for two years and then um, moved up to the Northern coast of British Columbia and practiced in some remote areas uh, of the coast of BC as well. And so I initially I had this frame and, and this will be important for the progression in my journey, but my frame revolved around doing good or dentistry as a service has to look a certain way. It has to look like being in a remote location. It has to look like being in an underserved location. Mm. Um, that's doing good with dentistry. And, and that frame has shifted dramatically. I mean, of course, that's always going to be a integral part of who I am and why I love dentistry and what I do with it. But 
um, yeah, through, through mentors and, and uh, just life circumstances that that understanding has grown dramatically. But so during, Wait, the- hold on. Yep. I got to I got to ask follow up question, Clark, because yeah. this is very interesting. <laughs> How that is a to have that vision so early, right? Tell yep. me about how you've stayed committed. Like, did you write it down? Do you? I mean, is your what? How have you stuck with it? Yeah, um, I know Steve Anderson's going to want to hear me say I've <laughs> written it down. It's in my pocket. I review it. I look it every day. Uh, every year my goal is to be able to stand in that group at crown council annual event and be one of those you are so good but it's not in my pocket Stuart. it's not my pocket podcast over we are done yeah delete this guy's off so (laughs) um no i think i'm i'm a very i'm very verbal and i i like to think of myself as very transparent and so I, I openly communicate if there's a vision that I have, if there's a dream that I have, uh, it's, it's made known to the people around me. And cool. uh, of course, my wife, my peers, best friends, closest friends and mentors. And I think that creates a system of accountability for me where um, that those visions and those goals are continually being, um, being checked on. Very cool. Well, sorry to, I kind of cut you off there. I broke in. Nope. So. No, no, no. You're, okay. you're just fine. Keep the flow. Where were you going? Yeah. So taking that perspective of, and that kind of vision of doing good during dental school, I looked through a lot of different opportunities and um, Loma Linda has a number of sister clinics around the world um, where you had opportunities. And there was actually an opportunity in Guam and Melissa and I, looked really seriously at that. And uh, what ended up transpiring was the, the dentist who was there wanted to extend his stay. And so his family had chosen to double their commitment to that, that practice. And so, and granted, there were a number of other opportunities, but that one seemed to be the fit that Melissa and I were most interested in. And so from a, from a more remote global sense, my perspective of okay what's our next step and what does that look like on a more national u.s level staying stateside and that's when the public health clinic opportunities um started looking appealing i i thought well shoot here's an opportunity where i can keep the the paradigm of being in a remote uh access location and still feel like i'm doing that vision that I had early on and yet still be in a, in, in the States where we could visit family travel. Um, and so I, I ended up interviewing with a public health clinic in central California, Hollister actually. And, um, and I, you know, I, you hear all the different stories about uh, clinics who are, that are managed differently. And, and so I, I had my list of questions to, check the boxes to make sure I wasn't getting into a bad situation or into a situation where there would be a lot of pressure to perform dentistry or um, an accelerated pace. And, and so I went through my questions very intently with the director there at the clinic. And I, I remember, I remember the key questions I wanted to ask to get a sense of what was happening there. 
Let's do and, it. Let's hear them. I, yeah. I got to hear these. <laughs> well, it didn't work though. Oh. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so my question was, how many patients am I going to see a day? Yeah. And uh, the answer was, oh, max 16, max. 16. Yeah. 16, yep. Which now being in private practice, I realize even that, you know, maybe with, if I have eight hygiene, uh, um, yeah. Uh, um, exams to do in addition to my own schedule 16 is a lot in a day even in a private practice setting so uh, you know my naivety didn't catch on to that but then the other question was well how many dentists are here and how long have they been here and oh Clark we've got four dentists and they are all committed to this this public health clinic and you will be joining a team and it's going to be you know, this one dentist lives in San Jose and, or, um, so pardon me, Santa Cruz, and he drives in three days a week. And, and this is, you know, it's going to be a team environment and it's going to be amazing. We don't overwork you. We want, we want you to enjoy being here. And, um, you know, you can work, um, you'll be working really reasonable hours and, and whatnot. And so I, you know, I, I had my rose colored glasses on. I was excited. I thought, man, I've, I've hit the jackpot. I've found like the one public health clinic that's doing it right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was my senior year and I, I signed up with them and, you know, at the time, and this is another component of coming out of dental school and what guides your decisions. But, you know, you're coming out of dental school with these four years of massive loans. Um, you know, if you if you haven't, the sun just went down, um, been up for an hour. No. <laughs> so if, if you're coming out of dental school with all these loans, you probably weren't working during dental school. So, right. you know, your living expenses are going on loans, your everything, you know, everything. So you're, you're coming out pretty strapped. And so the very real component of what happens next is how am I going to pay for this? Um, right. And so initially the, the public health um, assistance program, I, the, uh, the national health service Corps, or, uh, some of those programs offered loan repayment. And so I thought, well, how cool would this be? I, I can do what I want to do or what I think I want to do and payback loans as well. I thought, wow, what a perfect pairing. Um, and don't let me forget to touch on that because okay. what, I've, what I've found is the more that is provided for you, the more you're owed or the more you owe yeah. back to who's providing it. it for you. And, well, and, yeah. Well, being at the clinic, yep. I mean, was that looking back, would you do it again? Would you go there again? So here, here's what I'd say, you know, you ask, okay, what mistakes, what, um, you know, what mistakes? And here's what happened. I showed up first day. I showed up early to kind of orient myself around the clinic. I walked through the doors thinking I would get a couple hour orientation. The director met me at the door and said, Clark, I'm so glad you're here. We've got patients for you. <laughs> I walked into the 12 operatory clinic and there were 12 patients in each operatory. Oh my God. So my first day out of dental school, I think I tallied it up. I did saw 42 patients my first day out of dental school. What? The digital x-rays hadn't been set up. The digital charting hadn't been set up. Oh so boy. I went through and did 42 patients with 42 handwritten notes 
and and whatnot. So I I left that day going, oh man, this is crazy. The and I looked around wondering wondering where all my other dentists were. Well, the next day I talked to the assistant and I said, hey, where are all the other dentists that I get to work with? They said, oh, they all left as soon as they heard they hired somebody else. No way. So I had this a uh, quick turnabout and um, over the course of the next three months, really, um, you know, there was this deadline looming because at 90 days I was supposed to sign on for two or three years or whatever it was. And, um, and that was supposed to be the, you know, the drop dead date as far as whether this was going to work or not. And, um, what's really interesting is, well, it didn't work. Um, (laughs) but, but (laughs) I, I, I think what that time did for me, would I do it over again? Was it a mistake? I don't, I don't think it was a mistake because I had something that I thought I wanted and you sometimes you have to experience that, you know, no matter how much coaching and advice, you know, your peers, your parents, your loved ones provide for you. Sometimes we just have to do it to experience it, to understand it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that I honed during that time was my, my philosophy of care and how I wanted to take care of people. Um, nice there was a moment and it stands out in my mind. I'm a, I would like to think of myself as very mild mannered. I'm fairly mellow. Um, yes, I'm passionate. I can get heated. I'm, I, I understand that, but there was an evening after work and it stands out in my mind. A patient had come in in pain. We didn't do root canals in the clinic, but I could do a pulpotomy to alleviate pressure and just instantly alleviate pain in this gentleman. And I took the time to do that. Well, to the director's idea, I had thrown off the complete flow of the day because I had taken extra time with this one patient. At the end of the day, she met me and we actually got into a yelling match. If you can imagine a brand new dentist, I'm, you know, I think the world's my oyster. I'm here to do good and serve this community. And then a, a, a mature CEO director, and we are literally yelling at each other. And she's yelling at me because I took time to take someone out of pain. And I'm yelling at her uh, because I wanted to get this guy out of pain. I, wow. I didn't have my uh, tops skills yet. So <laughs> <laughs> probably probably could have been a few more questions mm-hmm. less yelling but anyway that that was a, a definitive moment that I realized I wasn't going to be able to experience what I wanted to in this environment got it yep got it and so. and so I mean I love the idea that like looking back it's okay that, that it's okay I mean right. that you you got the the work the experience mm-hmm. um but but what like, okay, what comes next? I mean, how did you decide yeah. where to go now? Yeah. So um, at that point, I, I started looking around. We we're still in Central California. Melissa had a good job at a university in San Jose. And so we were kind of thinking, okay, how do we make this work? We've, we've moved here. It's kind of our first adulting step. Um, you know, what, how do we make this work? This scene seems like we want it to work. Um, what do we do? So 
instantly I started reaching out to um, actually started reaching out to Crown Council Dennis. Um, I remember reaching out to Jeanette Kern in Monterey Bay and um, she said, Hey, you know, stick with it. I don't, I don't have an opportunity for you, but you know, pound the pavement, find somebody, reach out to someone. I interviewed wow. in a, a number of different practices and ended up finding um, with the help of the local dental society, a gentleman in his seventies, uh, just a really unique character in a town about an hour away. And um, he had never done endo a, a day in his life as a dentist um, from the start and never done any extractions. Well, those two procedures happened to be things that I really enjoyed doing in dental school and was fortunate to get a fair amount of experience in dental school. And so I said, Hey, why don't I, why don't I join you? I'll do your endo. I'll do your, your oral surgery and we'll, we'll team up and see how this goes. And it was, uh, it was the classic handshake. I think we, we were at Red Lobster eating lunch on his two hour lunch break that he took every day. And okay. um, it was a, it was classic, man. And so he said, yeah, come on down. Love to have you. I showed up the first day. I didn't, it was, it was totally wild, man. His, his wife was a hygienist. They, like I said, they're in their seventies and, and the super tiny practice and, um, well, I started doing some endo, did some endo here and there, so did some oral surgeries, started, you know, doing some immediate dentures. And, um, it was a great experience as far as getting to, to do those procedures over and over. Um, and then one day over lunch at Red Lobster, he said, Hey Clark, I, uh, I'm, I'm about done. And, uh, and here's the deal. He, he actually owned the, the strip mall, the whole strip mall that his practice was in. Wow. And so he said, I, I'll give you the practice. The practice is yours. I've got four more years on the lease. You pay the lease. It's yours. And we're done. And I, you know, as, as, a, as a young dentist, that opportunity seems hard to refuse. And so I, I initially thought, okay, how do I make this work? And this is where the transition point comes in. I started chatting with my, my crown council buddies, um, started chatting with Justin and Landon and, and, uh, and they said, Hey, let's talk, talk with some mentors. And I, I was actually talking with Brian Krachowski and Joe Baguette, um, talking to them about this opportunity that I had. And it was on a drive. I was coming home from that office and I was talking with Brian and Brian was telling me, he said, Hey Clark, this sounds pretty similar to pretty similar opportunity to what we've just recently done with a practice up here. Um, the dentist who is phasing out kind of over it tired. Um, let me, let me tell you what we did and, and maybe that would help you be successful in your situation. So he's, he's coaching me, mentoring me. And um, in the process of the conversation, I, it, I remember it came, I was driving strawberry fields on both sides of the road. I'm driving down the highway and it came out of my mouth. And I said, Brian, I don't, I don't want this practice and I don't even want to live here. And <laughs> that, that was the subconscious coming through. Uh -huh. And Brian goes, 
Clark, we've got opportunity up here. Three weeks later, Melissa and I were on an airplane. We spent the weekend up here, fell in love with Alaska, fell in love with Brian, with Joe, with the practice, with the vibe, the philosophy. And, and then within, um, I think it took me three months to get my license in Alaska. And then Melissa and I drove the 2,500, 3,000 miles, whatever it was to do whatever it took to get here. And I think that was, was a turning point for me. Once you realize what you want, do whatever it takes to get there. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. And, and, and maybe describe what, what, what did Alaska, what did this have versus what the other one had? What did you see? Yeah. So the, the practice had established business systems, established clinical systems. It had a philosophy, a long-standing philosophy, of course, um, Jim Libby, uh, prior to Joe and Brian, a, a culture of care, uh, genuine care for people and, and doing good. And that was kind of the aha for me is that doing good was still doing good, even if you were being paid for it and, and you were making a living doing nice. good yeah. uh, and, and transforming lives doesn't just look like taking out an infected tooth in Africa. Um, it looks like changing somebody's smile, um, giving somebody a stable bite and chewing function who hasn't had um, that for many years. And so my paradigm shifted. And what I could see is that this was a practice that believed that and performed that daily. And ultimately, um, I haven't touched on this directly, but Crown Council was a huge aspect of my journey. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in dental school with Landon and Justin, um, who were actively involved with Crown Council all through dental school and before dental school. And my second year of dental school, I remember Landon and Justin missed a couple days of school and they came back just fired up. And I, I'm, I'm going, what, where, what did you guys do? Where were you? Like you missed school. You were in trouble for missing school, but you guys came back happier than ever and more fired up. And, and they're like, well, we, we shaved our heads on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. We saw Garth Brooks and I'm like, what? Yeah, that's cool. But what does that have to do with dental school and dentistry and <laughs> and I, but I knew I wanted that I'm like I want what you have and what you're experiencing and so that that next year was that year that we all came to Phoenix together mm -hmm. and um yeah what is that 11 12 years ago maybe yeah. yeah so um I I think that the crown council provided this this group of people that operated at a level that I didn't even know existed and they provided um, a framework in which to dream at a level that I didn't know I could dream. Um, you know, even though I was in a dental family, I had seen only a few aspects of dentistry and the way that dentistry can be um, utilized or how that can look in a career. And, and so being in the crown council opened up my eyes to all these different avenues of, of experiencing dentistry and what that can look like and, and being around 
high performers who, who can motivate you and inspire you to, to dream bigger than what you thought you could. And so, like I referenced, um, you know, it was when I was looking for a new opportunity, it was an immediate resource for me to go to and, and send an email out on the network, say, Hey, I'm in central California. Um, looking for an associate position. I'm, I'm open to, to what, what you have going, how could we make this work? You know, and that's where Jeanette Kern had reached back out to me. And then, um, actually I, I had done that once more right before we moved to Alaska, um, and had a couple other opportunities, um, Stephanie Mohan in Iowa. And, um, and so I'm grateful to them, to the people who responded. And even though those opportunities didn't work out, it was encouragement and support along the way um, in my journey. All right, we're going to just take a short break from this podcast episode to talk about the Crown Council's Young Dentist Program. The Young Dentist Program is hosted by the Crown Council, Dr. David Hornbrook, and the Utah Valley Dental Lab. This is our opportunity to connect with and mentor some of the young dentists who are joining the Crown Council. We invite all young dentists one to five years out of dental school to join our Young Dentist Program and be a part of an incredible group of young dentists working to jumpstart their careers by finding the very best in dentistry to mentor them and help them get their careers started. Uh, Every year, the Crown Council hosts a new class of young dentists, and you're invited to be part of that class. Uh, Online and in the notes of this podcast, there's a link to the youngdentistprogram.com where registration and information about the program is going on all the time. So we invite you to be part of the Young Dentist Program and uh, come and be with us and be mentored with the Crown Council and connect with some of the very best young dentists in dentistry. What, um, as you, as you look back on being an associate, yeah. what, what um, like what makes, let, I guess, two part answer, like, cause it comes from both sides. Right. What makes a great associate? So you're, you're developing skills as a, as a student. What is it that a student can be focused on to be a great associate? And then what is it that now you're on the, on the opposite side, looking at associates? What, what may, I mean, so look at it from both sides, if you can. Totally. Yeah. Here's my advice for those in dental school, find the professors that you resonate with. So um, we're really fortunate to have professors that were in private practice that would come in and lecture. And then sometimes they would even be on the clinic floor with us. So we, we had the opportunity to interface with additional formats of dentistry. So, you know, very cosmetic oriented dentists and, you know, very routine um, kind of everyday dentistry, so to speak, bread and butter, they call it, you know. Um, so I would say start seeking out your mentors early while you're in dental school, because that's going to allow you to align yourself with a style of dentistry, align yourself with a person. And I can almost guarantee you that if there's a person that you're resonating with, they have people that they are looking up to and they resonate with that you can tap into their mentorship as well. And uh, um, whether that's a study club, um, crown council, uh, you know, those, those items. So as a, as a dental student, try and get as much exposure to different procedures as possible. Um, if I hadn't had 
my exposure to root canals and endodontics in dental school, I would have been very uncomfortable approaching another dentist saying, Hey, let me do your endo for you. Yeah. I know you refer to a specialist now, but I, I want to do it now. Uh, <laughs> and, and not that I'm any great endodontist, I'm not. Um, but just having that comfort level with doing it and knowing where your comfort level is. Same with oral surgery. You know, if there's procedures that you enjoy doing in dental school or, or even think you enjoy doing, shadow, go spend time in those specialty departments. Ask your professors to support you on a bigger case. Um, ask your professors to help you get more experience in an area. Talk to that professor that you uh, look up to ask them to shadow in their practice, spend time with them and mm. on their turf and their setting so that you can start to see how, how the daily flow can look like. And then, then ultimately I think, and some of this I've started to more hone from that other perspective now looking for associates, but as an associate, just be ready to integrate don't go into a practice ready to change the world. Like go in as a sponge and pick up everything you can, but don't go into a place ready to tell them how they're doing it wrong, how you want it, all the new materials you want. Cause you just got back from a CE course and it's the latest and greatest. Like just, just go in with an open mind, ready to learn. And, cool. and it may not that first, place you work at i mean i i don't know any percentages but i can't imagine there are many dentists who stayed at the first place they started um it doesn't mean that's wrong or right but the chances of you um staying where you first start are pretty low so just go in with an open mind and realize that that's going to be a step in your journey um take the good take the bad and, and process the bad, figure out why it wasn't good for you, what didn't work so that you can define how you want that to look different for you in your next environment. Great um, advice. Great. The other thing too, is like, I, we, we just hired a, another associate and I was chatting with him and he went through a general residency program. And after his program, he was in, um, in a, he had a really neat look, situation because many of those residencies are hospital based or um, still university based, but he was in uh, a faculty's practice, an AGD faculty member's private practice in Washington. And so he was, I mean, he was in it, in a, in a situation set up for mentorship. He, he admits it was an incredible, incredible opportunity and at the end of his, his residency, they offered him a position and he stayed. And, and you think, man, from my perspective or from a few years after graduating, you look on that opportunity and you go, that's incredible. That's fantastic. He left. <laughs> like He didn't stay. He didn't stay. He stayed for a year and then moved, moved on to what he thought was greener pastures. So my point is, it, in your first opportunity it might be crummy and it might be amazing but you have no no reference to understand either how much better it could be or how much worse it could be 
and that you're in something really, really good. And that's something that I try and tell associates when, when we meet with them and interview with them. It's like, we have an opportunity that's set up for you, for you to be successful. All you have to do is be, have an open mind, want to learn and fit in. Like, like just take hold, take ownership of the systems that we have through TOTS. Um, join the ground council and be a part, you know, and you can be successful. You, and the, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to see somebody who doesn't catch that, the value of that. And they don't know what's available to them. Everything that they're saying is that they want that, but they're turning down the opportunities that are going to give them what they say they want. So as an associate, just come in ready to learn. When we moved, Melissa and I moved from California to Anchorage. um, Joe and Brian told me point blank, we're not looking for a partner. We're never planning on you being a partner. We want you to be a really successful associate. We want you to grow as a dentist, as a person, and just come be really successful as an associate. Nice. The first time I, and I was just chatting with Joe and Brian about this last week, I think it was the day that I got a paycheck. I (laughs) opened it. I was sitting in my office. I opened it up. I looked at it and I ran no joke. I ran like squealing to Joe and Brian's office. And I said, guys, you're going to pay me too. (laughs) Like all the benefits that I was getting as an associate yeah. <laughs> All the value was there before I ever got a paycheck. So good. <laughs> and and I think that that's really hard like I said referencing those school loans, the right. the Home daily loan. grind, yeah. the you know, you might have family pressure, um you may have social pressure as to what a dental dentist lifestyle should look like. Hey, forget that. Get yourself oriented mm. on who you want to be personally who you want to be professionally what kind of dentistry you want to do how you want to care for your patients and find an environment that's going to be that for you and then the paycheck will be a bonus nice i love that well um clark as as you're hiring associates now is there any like, how does an associate stand out to you? What, what, what is it that like makes it? Cause it, it's kind of hard to judge. Oh man, this guy's humble. This guy's teachable. What, sure. what is it that like a, a student listening now can be like, I want to be an associate. And so I'm going to develop these qualities while in dental school to make sure I stand out to Alaska premier dental when they interview me. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Uh, obviously a huge part of it is just being with somebody and sensing um, their presence, you know, whether uh, do they, do they appear confident and not that that's a must, you know, Um, sometimes confidence is, is a major turnoff too. Mm -hmm. Like I said, um, don't go into a practice ready to change. I said, change the world. I don't mean that we should always be striving to make this, our sphere of influence better. What I meant was ready to up in the place because you've got your vision that's going to work. Right. right. Um, that's more what I meant. Um, somebody who's, who's really, um, uh, eager 
but okay. understands that they have room for growth. And I'm saying that understanding my own potential for growth. Um, we never arrive. We're always growing. And if somebody's interviewing from the perspective that they, they have, they have arrived or they have the information or I remember um, an associate we hired and, and I said, Hey, you really need to go do the young dentist program with Dr. Hornbrook. I loved it. It was, I mean, that in addition to the crown council single-handedly has impacted my career greater than anything else I've done, but aligning with Dr. Hornbrook, Mark, Mark Montgomery doing the young dentist program and continuing education with them. But I recommended that to him. I said, there's an incredible opportunity to go learn, get mentors and grow in this aspect of dentistry. He said, veneers, I learned that in dental school. Oh boy. Oh, boy. and I, I just, I, <laughs> I scratched my head. I was like, dude, you don't get it. Uh, don't no. get it. Um, and oh. that, that makes me reflect on another conversation. And, um, I was chatting with an associate and I was encouraged once again, encouraging them to do the young dentist program. And, um, as an associate, he was very consumed with the cost to get there. And, and he said, I just don't know if the plane ticket because uh, we were going to pay for the the annual event, the everything right. else to support him. We wanted him to have skin in the game um, to understand the value. And so we had asked him to pay his plane ticket and said, I just don't know if I can justify doing that. And, and I, I got onto my, my soapbox and started preaching at him. And, and I said, man, everybody comes out of dental school with a license to prep a veneer, prep a crown, do a filling. But what we can learn through the Crown Council, through the Young Dentist Program, through TOPS, is the ability to communicate and tap into the human dimension of our patients so that we have patients who express their desire for those treatments. And that's, that's where it happens. That's where the magic happens is, is what I, my perspective is is when we, we tap into the human component, the procedure is just nothing more, than a, a, nothing more than a solution to the human component of what's desired by the person. But to, I think taking that risk and going, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, that 800 bucks for a plane ticket is right. I mean, that, worth it. Worth it. <laughs> worth it. Worth nice, it. dude. And I can resonate with that. And I, I think that's why it's so meaningful to me because I totally resonate with it. And, right. you know, when you're, you're paying your first student loan and I was doing, even at, um, at the health clinic, I, I went and did an implant course that I knew I would never use at the health clinic. And I, I'm like, <laughs> why am I spending money on this? And I was like, well, it's because I want to do that. Nice. Well, I'm not never going to be able to do a, do a, do no. an implant at the health clinic. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, take the risk, spend the money. It, it'll pay dividends. Nice. Hey, as you, um, as we kind of wrap up, as you look back on your life as, um, as now you transitioned into a partner, I mean, so you went from associate to partner, um, uh, what, 
what was it? What are the defining moments to help you choose this path? I mean, what is it that, I mean, I think you focused a lot on uh, knowing yourself, knowing what you want, uh, staying humble, staying teachable. Are there other things that maybe guided you along this path now uh, that you're on that you could, you could share as we wrap up? Yeah. Um, I think, I think, uh, like you said, staying teachable and, and I have to say mentors, 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 mentors. Um, when you have people that you can look up to and, and it might be as simple as seeing a way of life that you admire, Mm. um, life choices that you admire, um, dentists who are doing procedures that you admire, but identifying those mentors, I was fortunate enough to find those mentors in my, in my now partners. And so for me, the transition to partnership was when that opportunity came along and, and, and that in and of, in and of itself is a, a whole other progression too, but just allowing the relationship, I think, focusing on the relationship with whoever you work with to know the individual, know them personally, know whether you're a good fit or not, know whether, um, whether you guys would jive, whether you can trust one another, whether you can trust them. Can they trust you? Make yourself trustworthy. Um, you can't demand that from anybody that you're not willing to give back to them. And so, I think as Joe, Brian, and my relationship has progressed over this summer, it'll be 10 years now. Um, it's, it's just, it's been a natural progression of relationship. I, I admire both of them. I love both of them as individuals. I want to be like them in aspects of both of their lives. I, and so getting to work with them as closely as we do is a is a privilege and an honor and it doesn't mean that every day is roses and and we we get into arguments we have disagreements we see things differently and that's the beauty of the partnership really um is that we have different perspectives to to bounce off of um but having having yeah you said it having a clear understanding of who we are as individuals and I, and I think like any anal- an analogy to any relationship in our lives, the more we know about ourselves, the more we can be uh, um, authentic in the relationship that we're in. And that, yeah. that goes, for, goes for business partnerships as well. Very cool. Clark, I love, I mean, I wrote this down. I love what you just said that you don't just admire the mentor in what they do, but in, in the life that they've created. That is such great advice. I mean, I mean, I can easily pick the people that I admire in my life because of who they are. But it's like, man, looking at that life and saying, I want to be, become that, that person. Right. Uh, So modeling that and being around that person. uh, What great advice, Clark. That is just awesome. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you, Stuart. Um, Dude, let's wrap up. I will say my, express my humble gratitude for you. You are like a, look at your, you got to watch the video. If you're listening to audio, just go look at Clark. He's so as <laughs> dude, always smiling. I love annual event with you because we always embrace and it's just such a great. Oh, look at that shirt. That is a, you made, you made that. this for me. Man. I made it. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Yep. I heat pressed that baby. Yes, you did. That is so cool. 
Oh man, that just, I'm bringing a tear to my eye. Somebody's still wearing a shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you, your leadership. I always ask this question and I, um, I wonder if, if the young dentists want to connect with you, if they want to email or text or whatever, are you open to that to have uh... always? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'll put your email in the show notes. So if anybody wants to connect with Clark, is that okay? Thumbs up. So we'll just, uh, you can connect there. Do you, do you have a social platform? Weston, that was where he wanted everyone to connect was his, uh, his Instagram page. Dude, I uh, I had a MySpace once. I think it's me and Tom still. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I had a bad experience. Let's so, put it at that. So I, good, dude. <laughs> I got a nasty letter from an ex girlfriend on social oh, media and no. MySpace, and that that, that was it. it for me. All right, email it is. Email it is. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Clark. I yeah. appreciate you. Um, yeah. You know, if there's one thing I can say about Clark is that he lives what the crown council teaches, which is, um, as he shares, as he's willing to share his time and what he has learned, he not only becomes a, a better dentist, but in, in the process, helping others become and, and, and helping other people get what they are looking for, uh, in turn translates to him, uh, which is, I, I, it's such a hard principle. Like if you want more of what you want, you, you give that away, you know? Um, so very grateful for your time, Clark. Appreciate it. Thanks, Stuart. And thank you for this opportunity. It's awesome to uh, reflect. And oftentimes we're so caught up in, in achieving something new or something different that we don't take the time to reflect on where we've come from. And uh, it, that's it's truly been, a, been an awesome honor to think about this progression that I've experienced in my life. And, and truly, to you know, it's fun to think about and it's a lot of cool things have worked out through my life so far. And, um, just understanding that that's, it's not me. I'm a part of a a bigger picture and, um, and have had many people positively impact my life and support me. And for that, I'm grateful and, um, huge, huge gratefulness to you and, and the crown council, Steve and, and the members, um, for, for helping shape me to who I am today and, and who will continue to shape me through nice, my man. life. Keep it up. Yep. <laughs> All right, bro. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this Mentor of the Month podcast sponsored by Crown Council. This is just one tool available to the Crown Council membership that helps dental teams build a culture of success. That's our mission and purpose is to provide a place for dental teams to come together and learn the skills needed to develop your most valuable asset, the people, those people who work in your practice. As always, if you're interested in being part of this group or want more information about the tools available to the membership, go to www.crowncouncil.com or call us 1-800-276-9658. Thanks.